You're listening to Transforming Insight, the podcast for anyone who has the ambition to transform their insight team and create an insight-driven organization. Your host is James Witcherly, Chief Executive of the Insight Management Academy and the author of the book Transforming Insight, The 42 Secrets of Successful Corporate Insight Teams. Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Transforming Insight podcast. This one's called Insight Skills and Attributes. So, I think we'd all agree that an insight team is very unlikely to be successful if it doesn't include people with great skills and attributes. Despite all the new data that we've got, or the greater automation of data collection, analysis and reporting, our insight teams still need very skillful people. People who can identify the key insights and business implications and then influence decision makers to take the necessary action. Back when I wrote the Transforming Insight book in 2020, I said that I thought that the range of skills needed in an insight team had actually been growing, because new technology was changing the nature of data collection, data analysis, knowledge management and communication. Of course, that was all before the advent of generative AI. But before and after the pandemic, We've also seen progressive organisations recognising that if they're going to position their insight teams as departments that identify value and drive change, they also need to employ people with a more diverse set of skills. The skills of the insight consultant, the insight farmer, author, journalist, storyteller and designer. In short, if we're all going to work on the business and work with the business, I think it makes sense that we'd need different attributes to those found in a service function, one that only works for the business. In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins made the point that successful business leaders make it their primary concern to get the right people on the bus. I think successful insight leaders have the same priority. So, how can we categorise the skills and attributes that we're looking for? When we've talked about this at Insight Forums over the last 20 years, the IMA's found it useful to think about four main categories of skills and attributes. The first is actually a combination of generic business skills and personal attributes. The second is far more specific to Insight team skills. The third, even more specific to market research skills. And the fourth, one that's perhaps not been explored anywhere near as much as it might be, Insight analysis skills. Since the forum started in 2005, there's been much debate about the relative importance of technical skills versus business, personal and investigative skills. On the one hand, many teams that originally identified themselves as market research functions, not surprisingly, prized the traditional market research toolkit as taught in agencies across the world. Some of those teams, however, have started to take a more relaxed view of the need for technical research qualifications and instead prioritise business, personal and generic insight, or to use David Smith's phrase, sense-making skills. As one insight leader told us some years ago, I need consultants who do research, not vice versa. On the other hand, the analysis side of the house often seems to me to have been moving the other direction, and with rather mixed results. If we think back to those early 2000s when I started doing insight work, and many of today's current insight leaders did, a number of the large banks and retailers with loyalty cards were just starting to develop teams that were based on business skills and investigative nous, 
and then invested in excellent data management systems, which reduced the need for expert data analysis. When back at Barclays, I used to prioritise the need to find people who knew which questions to ask, and then teach them how to answer the questions. But as the world of data has exploded over the past 10 years, we've seen a massive increase in the number of data analytics, or sometimes data science teams, with brilliant technical skills, but not necessarily great business skills. Sometimes these units exist as part of an overall insight function, and sometimes they sit in entirely different parts of the company. A related debate over the same period is the extent to which it's realistic to find insight unicorns, people who can tick all the boxes. A few of the larger insight teams that the IMA works with have taken the approach of dividing team members into two camps. There are those that are focused mainly on technical work, and those who focus more on the interface with the rest of the business. In smaller teams, it's still common for Insight team members to be required to have a solid combination of both sets of skill sets, but with space to accommodate people who are a bit stronger in one area than another. Now, you'll have to decide for your Insight team which individual skills and which balance of skill sets is right for your organisation and the situation that you find yourself in. But I guess the first point that I'd really stress is the need to not just accept the status quo. In the last episode, I suggested that we should reflect on the activities of an insight leader and make more deliberate decisions about how we spend our time and energy. So too, I think we need to look at the skills and attributes of our colleagues if our teams are going to achieve the potential that we've outlined in our insight strategies. So let's think back to those lists of skills and attributes that I mentioned earlier the four categories that have we found useful at Insight Forums. We'll start with that combination of business skills and personal attributes. When we talked about those, IMA members have most frequently suggested things like strategic thinking, commercial acumen, influencing skills, communication skills, drive and determination, planning, problem solving, collaboration and positivity. When we've then gone on to talk about more specific insight skills and attributes, members have talked about curiosity, passion for customers, the application of commercial thinking, critical thinking and generating hypotheses, joining the dots, the skills of the translator and the storyteller, and the ability and ambition to act as change agents. And of course, we've also discussed specific market research skills, much debated and discussed at insight conferences like Quirks, and with organisations like SMR and Aura. And here we're getting into the realms of technical skills, survey design, choosing the appropriate methodologies, but increasingly also a focus on behavioural science and consumer psychology. Also within market research-led teams, there's traditionally been a big focus on understanding different marketing strategies and marketing approaches. And of course, project management skills, if we're not usually doing the market research ourselves, but rather managing agencies that are doing the actual projects for us. And last but not least, the attributes of great insight analysts. Here, of course, we're reliant on good data analytics skills, the ability to explore new data, to organise it in a way that makes it suitable for analysis, a sensible approach to checking data quality and dealing with outliers. But those are hygiene factors. What insight analysts need, as opposed perhaps to data analysts, 
is also the ability to be data agnostic, to focus on the shape of numbers, to demonstrate critical thinking skills, building logical bridges to a solution, the ability to develop data-driven stories, and to use analysis to paint pictures. You're listening to the Transforming Insight podcast, published by the Insight Management Academy, the world's leading authority on transforming corporate insight teams. For the second half of today's podcast, I've asked Lisa Dutton to join me. Regular listeners to our podcast will know that Lisa's the IMA's Head of Team Development, but she's also our subject matter expert on storytelling and influence. So you've been listening to me record the first half of this podcast, but what's top of mind for you when you think about insight team skills and attributes? Thanks, James. The first thing I have to say is I love that quote, getting the right people on the bus. Such a good way to think about it, isn't it? Getting the right people in your team. When it comes to Ask me the question again. So, Lisa, <laughs> what would be top of mind for you when you're thinking about insight team skills and attributes? The first thing, James, that occurs to me is, you know, you talk about unicorns. I've heard this for the last 10 years of my career. We used to talk about this at Barclays all the time. These unicorn-like creatures who need to be able to both generate fabulous insights, but also sell them into the business in order to influence change. I'm not sure I think of them as being quite that rare. I think we do a disservice to insight professionals when we think that they can't walk and chew gum. But these unicorn-like creatures have to be crafted, developed, and a lot of that comes down to insight leaders. We have to be willing to put the time, the effort, the resource into our insight team members in order to create fantastic insight generators who can communicate, who can influence, who can do all of those soft skills. And for me, that's the crux of it. I think it's about developing those soft skills. It's the quote that you came out with around, I need a consultant who can learn research skills. Lots of the insight team members I come across in the the workshops I run every month are fantastic at their jobs in terms of the technical skills. They're absolutely brilliant, better than I ever was at doing analysis or doing research. And it's just a case of honing those softer skills, developing the communication techniques, encouraging them to to think of influencing as a key part of their role. It doesn't just stop when we do the analysis or research. So that's the bit that interests me. Is this first and foremost about mindset, Mm -hmm. actually, rather than skill set of recognising that is the job? That is the day job. It's not that the day job's doing analysis and research. And then if there's time, we do influence and communication. Yeah, spot on. It's the means to the end, isn't it? The analysis and research. We say this all the time. That's what differentiates us between people who produce MI or information or whatever else it might be. That That's what insight means. It's that kind of using the insights to bring about some kind of change. And so it is a mindset change. Absolutely. I think it is. And it's, you know, I've been watching lots of podcasts at the moment that talk about how the narrative that you tell yourself with regards to your life is really important. If you frame things as being more positive, that's the way you end up feeling about it. And and I think this is what's really important to perhaps stop talking about unicorn-like creatures as though it's not it, it's something that we as insight professionals can't attain. It's out of reach. It isn't. It's just going to take a bit of work. So I've just made a connection which I'd never made before. Go so on. I, I'll, 
I'm making this up, folks, as I'm saying it. You can tell me whether it makes sense. You never are. Don't let them see behind the curtain. It's a good job. This isn't a video recording. (laughs) So when we were talking about insight strategy back in the sort of spring, summer term for our insight forums, but also season four of the podcast, we put a lot of stress on insight teams thinking first and foremost about their purpose, whether they wanted to style that as a vision or a mission statement, but something that spoke to why they were there in the first place Mm -hmm. and what the team was there to do. And we're thinking about it very much at a team level because we're thinking about organizational capability and the insight leader developing a strategy for the organization. But I guess from what you're saying, it's equally important for each of us as insight professionals to have that sense of purpose and to write out a narrative which incorporates those aspects of the job so that we feel that we've got the license, not least, to uh, to actually spend time on personal developments associated with those skills and attributes and have the mindset that they're key to actually being successful at what we're doing. Yeah. I was talking to one of our members during COVID and he was saying to me that team morale was quite low because his team, were they weren't seeing the, the fruits of their labours. So there was no sense of what happened to their insights after they'd presented them to stakeholders. They kind of disappeared into black hole. So there's the expectation there that our insights drive some kind of behaviour, some kind of change, some kind of decision. So when we're thinking about coming to work each day, why aren't we framing it in that way? I'm going to going into the office today or I'm sitting at my desk to bring about this kind of change. It's the old asking the janitor that works at NASA, what, what's the purpose of their role? Well, I'm here to put a man on the moon. It's that, isn't it? It's kind of think big. You aren't there to just code or to run surveys or to analyze the results of those things absolutely fundamental to the uh, the success of your organization so you were talking about the fact that you've been listening to lots of podcasts Mm -hmm. and, and things recently it was in talking through podcasts and social media influencers in a recent conversation uh when we were planning for the november insight forums that we think we've hit on a, a hook here, don't we, which yeah. could be really useful for people thinking about their roles. So tell us a bit more about that. So this is all about us thinking of ourselves as influencers, specifically insight influencers, just as um, we are all familiar these days with social media influencers. Essentially, that is the role that, that we have or the, the hat that we should wear if we're to be successful within our organisation. So it's looking at successful social media influencers and thinking, what do they do? What are the principles that they live by in order to to be good at their jobs, in order to convince you to go on that holiday or stay in that hotel or buy that makeup brand or whatever it might be? And so it's thinking about things like differentiating myself as a content creator from somebody who then needs to take that content and use it to influence a decision. It's thinking about my own personal brand within the team, within the organisation, and what can I do to make sure that I enhance that brand in order to give me maximum credibility when it comes to using my insights to influence. It's thinking about who my audience is, being really explicit about it. Who are they? What do they need to know? How do they want to be communicated with? It's thinking about how we can use others around the organisation almost as our network for influencing. So these days you cannot move for, you jump on YouTube 
and you'll go to your favourite podcast. And lo and behold, the guest on that podcast is another favourite of yours, another favourite podcaster. They're all kind of cross-pollinating. They're, they're using one another's pods to get their message out and to increase their subscribers and all the rest of it. So it's what our now colleague, Deborah Wormsley, referred to as the web of influence. So how do we borrow that principle and influence the ultimate decision makers in our organisation by influencing the people who influence those people? So it's things like that. Perfect. Those people who've been listening to the podcast uh, for some time, those of you that come along to Insight Forums, represent IMA members, will know that there's sort of a long history of um, not only us, but the people who created uh, the Insight Forum, Steve Wills and Sally Webb, going out into other spheres of life and finding something which is analogous to a situation that we've got to deal with back at base, uh, back in terms of our roles of identifying value and driving change within our organisations or our roles as insight leaders of being as transformative as we can uh, and working on our teams rather than in them. I think this is a, a really useful hook, uh, a really useful analogy to explore. And yeah, really looking forward to the, the November uh, Insight Forums. So our one plug, folks, if your organisation's not a member of the uh, IMA at the moment, but if you represent a corporate insight team, a client side, end user insight team, and the topic that we've been talking about today is of interest to you, you think that you would benefit from your colleagues seeing themselves more as insight influencers and would like to take part in the conversations where we unpack that phrase and think about how we could learn from that situation, then please come along. Uh, let us know that you're interested. Email info at insight-management.org and uh, we'll explain more about how you could get involved. Lisa, thank you so much. Very insightful, as usual, and well not for not spilling any water anywhere in the studio <laughs> this time. Again, folks, you'll be glad that we don't usually have this out as a video recording. But nothing has been spilt and nothing has been damaged. Only a few secrets. Nothing, nothing <laughs> but no notebooks have been damaged in no. the recording of this podcast. Fabulous. Here are five key points that you might like to take away from today's podcast. Number one, the calibre of our people is absolutely critical if an insight team is going to perform well. Number two, many market research teams have started moving away from only focusing on traditional research skills and starting to favour broader business skills. Number three, data-rich companies have sometimes been moving the opposite direction when it comes to analysis and recruiting teams of technical experts rather than people who've also got lots of business acumen. Number four, let's reflect on the skills and attributes needed if our insight teams are going to achieve the potential that we've set out for them in an insight strategy. Strategy and people always really closely connected. And number five, if you're looking for a fresh perspective on this topic, why not think about if you can learn something from social media influencers? How can we develop teams of insight influencers? So please feel free, as I said earlier, to contact the IMA by emailing info at insight-management.org if you'd like to know more about the Insight Forums or more broadly about how our work could help support your insight team to identify value and drive change across any of the topics that we talk about in our podcasts. But my final thought for today is that as well as the skills and attributes that Lisa and I were discussing, there's one more thing that we're looking for in our insight teams, 
over and above the individual skills and attributes. I'm going to call it an insight perspective, and I'll explain what I mean by that and why I think it's so important in the next episode of our Transforming Insight podcast. Thank you for listening. Transforming Insight is available on all leading podcast platforms. Subscribe now to get notified when the next episode is released. Check out all the resources in the show notes and sign up to our email list. The Transforming Insight podcast is brought to you by the Insight Management Academy, who reserves the rights to the content. For more information on any of the ideas discussed in the episode, please visit www.insight-management.org.